Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, it's Nathan Birch here, director and co-founder of the beinvested.com.au group of companies. Hey Nathan, it's Tarrant from Property Investory. Why won't you call me back? <sighs> Maybe I should interview myself. My name's Margaret Lomas. Hi, I'm Michael Yardian. Hey, my name's Steve McKnight. My name's Jan. Hi, my name is Joe Durrani. Happy 100th episode. Hi, my name is Zaki Amir and a happy 100th uh, episode to Property Investory. Welcome to the 100th episode of Property Investory. My name is Matthew and in this special episode, I will be interviewing our usual host, Tyrone Shum. As a property investor and former real estate agent himself, he has been uncovering the stories, strategies and mindsets of some of Australia's most successful property experts, sharing them with over 30,000 listeners a month. But today we'll be uncovering Tyrone's journey as we talk to the man behind the microphone. Tyrone usually begins his interviews by asking his guests to brag about their achievements and how far they've come. Well, now it's his turn to brag. My full name is Tyrone Shum and what I, I'm the host of Property Investory, as you probably all know, and also to what I've done in the past is quite varied. I've been in the digital marketing slash intermarketing industry for quite a number of years, actually close to a decade and I've had a lot of experience in that side of things in terms of my career and profession. I've also been featured across numerous podcasts and appeared on various different blogs and, and also named in, in the top 100 for certain things around internet marketing. So, that, that's my career aspirations and also career, um, goal, uh, not goals, career um, achievements. What I've also done in terms of property investing is still in, in, in the sense that I'm, I'm also a learner right now because the reason why I'm interviewing all these guests is because I want to be able to learn and share that along my journey as well. So, that's really where I'm coming from in terms of property investing. So, what does a regular day look like for Tyrone? My day is I work a full-time job. I work in a large building products company and I am the group digital manager. So, as I mentioned earlier that I am very much involved in the digital marketing side of things, been there for over a decade. So, for me, on a day-to-day basis, I'm managing numerous websites and doing a lot of marketing and also digital transformation for, for the business as well. On the other side of things, um, when I get a little bit of spare time or I had dedicated time, I should say, that I will spend it to actually interview and look for new experts to come onto the Property Investory podcast. So, it's it's a passion of mine. So, for me, it's quite easy to hop on and interview these guests. I'm really energized by them and also inspired to keep doing. That's what keeps motivating me to do this and, and share this podcast with everyone. Having interviewed so many interesting people on the show, 
he has been privy to some hilarious stories where things just seem to go from bad to worse. One of the funniest experiences or moments I've had was I, I interviewed、um, a guest by the name of Ben Everingham, and he shared with me one of his worst investing moments. And when he did, I thought the, the first part of it when he actually told me that you know, something happened to his house, e.g.,、um, had people breaking in and、um, trashed the place, basically, one of these、uh, properties in sort of a little bit out of, out of I guess, the city area. And I thought, okay, that's fine. That, that seems to be a, a story that I've heard before. Somebody coming in, trashing their place, or a tenant living there and trashing their place, and that's fine, and so forth. Um, but then he said to me, Look, you know, that, that's only one aspect. It gets worse. And then he kept telling me story after story after story and just kept getting worse and worse. And I just could not sit there and not laugh about it because it just got so bad. You know, the six detectives are there and then they've called for backup. And as they've called for backup and sectioned off this street, these eight adults have run out of the property. Apparently, four of them have got away and four of them have been put in cuffs.、Um, and so, sorry, is this. I hope this is okay to share this story. Like, it's pretty, it's the most extreme example of what could ever happen to a property, I think. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that you have this. <laughs> it's actually a、it's、very、crazy. good story. This is what I love. It's these like, stories like this. This is the start, bro. Like, this just escalates over a period of weeks.、Um, so, these people, four of, the, four of them are in cuffs and about to be put in the cop car. Then a couple of the neighbors come out that have AVOs against these people in the house.、Um, And they start breaking off fence palings and getting cricket bats and then attacking these people that have their arms cuffed behind. And so. It got to the point where, like,、uh, his, his, his property got on fire because of, of illegal usage of power. And then, secondly,、um, it got actually appeared in news because it was that bad <laughs> in the neighborhood. So it just got worse and worse. And that's, that's one of my funniest experiences, I think. Over that 10 day period, there were two more knife fights、um, and the tenants during those fights. Broke every single window in the property and put their heads and arms through about every single wall in the house. So the entire house is now destroyed internally as well.、Um, and so we've had, that's where the second insurance claim comes on top of the first one.、Um, and then, you know, they've left, they've vacated the property, but before they have, it's Easter long weekend and the electricity company's cut the power off. So then the person in my property has got an extension cord, illegally plugged it into the neighbor's house and is running. Their entire house off this one cord and it's raining. The cord catches fire and has to be put out again. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't believe the tenant actually set his house on fire. So the whole place was kind of burnt down. Plus, then it got featured in news because fire engines had to attend, police had to go. <laughs> it was pretty bad. You know, you think, yeah, trashing the place is fine, but then to the point where it got into the media, <laughs> it's going to be a funny moment to remember. Growing up in Sydney, Shum studied computer science before entering the IT industry. But along the way, he picked up Robert Kiyosaki's famous Rich Dad Poor Dad, and he began to forge a new path for himself.、Um, Study school、um, in, in Sydney, and、uh, this school was in Summer Hills, actually a private school that I went to. Awesome upbringing there, had a lot of、uh, great opportunities to be able to be involved in extracurricular activities. It, it made me really a well rounded person. I achieved quite well academically, so therefore I was able to get into、uh, university. And I went to the University of New South Wales studying a Bachelor of Computer Science. So it was kind of pretty much up my alley in terms of IT and so forth. But as you probably realize, over the last, say, close to、oh, 15, 16 years or so since I've been 
in that industry, a lot has changed. You know, we never had digital marketing or digital as a as an actual area of uh, I guess the industry since I finished computer science. I was basically going to to the workforce and and do a little bit of of website development, and that would be it. But you know, it's it's expanded into a huge industry. And since I went into that industry, I've actually been um, I did a little bit of full-time work in IT for a couple of years and then after I, I sort of built that experience up, I, I actually decided to make a bit of a turning point and this is where the turning point happened was when I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, I, it kind of struck me and, and gave me some insights into going, okay, man, I, I probably don't want to see myself working in uh, a, a full-time job for the rest of my life so it kind of inspired me to get into the business and, and that's where at the same time while I was actually um, going to work full-time, I was actually doing a sport that I really, really loved called dragon boating. And when I did that, it kind of got me into um, the the opportunities to to see if there was a business I could create out of it and, and it actually did. So I actually started a paddle business in dragon boating, selling dragon boat paddles to pretty much all the clubs all across Australia. And that started out as a fantastic business which I ran for about almost three years actually, full time and it generated over six figures quite well. So I was quite... Um, yeah, I was quite much of an entrepreneur slash business person when I went straight into that kind of business. Following his exciting venture into his dragon boating business, Tyrone was inspired to learn about property investing from renowned guru Steve McKnight. Being an entrepreneur, I got a little bit itchy, <laughs> if I want to probably say it like that. And I actually delved into doing a bit of property investing. That's where I joined up to do Steve McKnight's results mentoring program. I was actually in the first intake, the first and ever first intake. And that, that happened going back, oh gosh, it's been, it was back in the early 2000s when I actually joined that. And that's where I met a lot of people in property investing and property investors who actually share their stories about doing positive cash flow. There are also some other uh, accounts of people who've been following my real estate training and the successes that they've had. So it's it's a very good read. I mean, it's been Australia's best-selling business book ever, sold over 300,000 copies, and, uh, and it, a book doesn't do that unless there's some value in it. So for those of you who haven't read from 0 to 130 properties in three and a half years, go to the local bookstore and pick up a copy or, or grab it on Amazon Kindle or, or whatever you want. Because back then, Steve McKnight was very much of a guru and still is today talking about buying positive cash flow properties. It's not so easy as, it, as in today's market as it was back then. But back then, you could pretty much buy a property and then just use a formula that he taught us and work out that it was, if it was positive cash flow. And that's what he did. I actually went out and, and f- bought my first positive cash flow property, which was out in um, like central New South Wales kind of thing. I had a suburb called or location called West Wylong. So that's when my journey first started. And at the same time, I thought, okay, I've got the first cash flow property or positive cash flow property. I guess didn't have enough money to save up for the next property. So what I did was I jumped into um, renting places and then subletting them out individually for each room to be able to generate some additional cash flow on a month, on a week to week basis. And, and that's worked out really well for a period of time. I, I tried that. And it, it taught me a lot of great things because one, I realized, okay, you could actually rent out a property. Say maybe if you're looking back at an example, when I rented out properties in like Eastwood and stuff, I could pick them up for like 500 bucks a week for rent. And then I could rent them all out for each room, like a four bedroom for 140 bucks a week, which equated to almost 600 bucks. So I could actually profit 100 bucks a week just from subletting these, these rooms out to uni students and, and um, full-time workers. 
and that gave me basically a good cash flow and I generated I think I rented out from memory it was about six properties so I was able to generate $600 a week additional revenue just from doing that and that's where my property investing journey started. As mentioned, the motivation behind Tyrone's business ventures and property investing stemmed from Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad and the Four Quadrants. That's where it started me to actually think because Robert Kiyosaki talks a lot about running your own business and also moving into the investing quadrant. So if we're to look back at the four quadrants, if most if listeners don't know what that is, Robert Kiyosaki has four quadrants he, he says that we either fall into. There'll be the E quadrant, which is employee, the S quadrant, which is the self-employed, then you've got the B quadrant, which is the business owner, and then the I quadrant, which is the investor. And he encourages as much as you can to move from the E and the S quadrants into the B and the I quadrants. And that's what I was trying to do was to set up systems and, and a process where I could actually be a business owner and also an investor at the same time. From there, he began to learn more about property by training as a real estate agent. So after I, um, I guess, went in, into IT, that this was just before I actually started running my own business, I was actually a real estate agent. So I, I, after reading that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I decided I'm going to change my career path rather than stick in IT for that period because I started getting a bit, what's the word for it? Uh, I, I kind of dreaded going into work every day programming in, and, and it's pretty tedious after a while. So it, it kind of got me thinking, all right, I want to actually improve my skill sets and learn how to sell. And that, that's why I, I jumped into talking about learning all about real estate so that way I can learn to sell because the beautiful thing about jumping into the real estate industry is that they provide phenomenal sales training and with a very large company that I was with which was LJ Hooker and also Ray White they all provided excellent excellent sales training and I thought why not you know get that kind of training as part of my my um, work and and learn from there and they did teach me a lot of great sales skills that helped me to be able to move into the future businesses that I got into. So what inspired Tyrone to begin a podcast about property investing? I kind of got fed up because I was hearing a lot of great podcasts out there talking a lot about the specific strategies and how-tos, but then there was, there was missing a component behind it, which was the inspirational and the stories behind why people did it. Because I think in my in my journey, I find that the why is much stronger to drive myself to actually do something rather than just go, okay, I can learn all the strategies, I can learn all the techniques, but still for some reason, I find that I won't apply it. And I think that that seems to resonate with a lot of people. People can go out to all these seminars, go on all these training, but until they actually ask themselves the why and find out and discover that within themselves, nothing will change. And, and that's what I discovered for myself is when I started hearing all about these great stories about people, why they got into property investing, it actually helped me um, determine what my why is as well too. So I guess for me, I, I, it kind of grew out of frustration and I just thought I'd want to create something that I could actually listen to. And on top of that, I was running out of podcasts to listen to on a day-to-day basis because I was driving um, you know, one way into work and the way back and that, that was almost a, an hour round trip and I was listening to podcasts that were released weekly and I'd probably get through them within about three weeks quite fast. You know, <laughs> So I thought I really, really was dying to get more podcasts on a, on a regular basis. And I guess the thing as well was what inspired me secondly too was listening to another podcast like Freakonomics which I pretty much got through in about a month. They've got great episodes and they've been doing it for three years already but they only release it once a week. And 
I, I, I felt that I could resonate with the way they actually structured their podcast and the stories that they delivered and it was really interesting. And I thought I could easily model off that because I've got experience in video production and audio production from all the digital marketing I've done. And that's pretty much where I kind of just got the idea and the concept and, and made it really, really unique in that sense. And that's how Property Investory came along in terms of its structure and its storyline and how we actually put this all together. And that's that's all, what it's all been about. So I guess I was the ideal person or the avatar who wanted this kind of podcast and interestingly enough when I actually released and put it into the market there were so many people like me that wanted to do this too or want to listen to this as well too. Shum's experience in digital marketing has played a significant role in making property investory a reality allowing him to reach many Australians who are also eager to learn about property investing and the stories behind it. If it wasn't for, for the skills and, and experience I've had in this side of things in terms of digital, I, I don't know if, if I could actually get that kind of reach. And I'll, I'll share with you actually previously my experience. I have actually done and created probably about two separate podcasts in the past in a totally different niche. One was in um, blogging and another niche was in video marketing. And because of those two podcasts that I actually did, I did a very similar structure where I went out, interviewed a lot of experts and then got them onto the podcast. And my first podcast generated easily over 10,000 downloads a month just from doing that. And it was spreading quite far reach from what I was doing. Um, I got to a point where I was getting kind of um, tired out just due to the fact that I, I was focusing on so many other parts of the businesses that I was doing at that time. That's why I couldn't put much more effort into it. And also on top of that, every Tom, Dick and Harry were actually launching their own podcast about blogging too. So the the space got really, really crowded and very quickly, um, it is very hard to stand out. So I basically um, moved on to doing video marketing, which I passionately enjoyed. And that was one of my other businesses that I ran. And you probably find out from me that I've run a lot of businesses in the past um, over this period of time. And uh, finally, I've, I've settled down to something that I've been really, really passionate about, which is property. And I've just stuck my guns, sucked my guns on this one, and uh, made sure that I'm delivering the best I can from this, and also learning as much as I can along the way. Because this this journey of property investing is a consistent and long term um, experience for me, because I'm I'm touching so many people, but also learning for so many experts out there. And property investor's success is growing. So as of I think. About a week ago, we actually hit 100,000 downloads and that was the, the turning point for this. So I guess when people listen to this episode being the 100th episode, we're probably more than a, going to be more than 100,000 downloads then. When we started this podcast towards the end of May, early June of 2017, we've had consistent exponential growth and it's been accumulated all throughout that time. And as we speak right now, we're sort of the mid-November right now that we're doing this interview where we're yeah, more than 100,000 downloads at this point in time. And I, I, I definitely, definitely um, want to thank to all the audience and the listeners out there who have been listening to this podcast um, for all your support and, and encouragement and also spreading the word. It's, it's just grown so fast and it's been phenomenal. Coming up after the break, we'll continue Tyrone's story with his worst investing moment. I didn't hire a property management company and I thought, okay, I could take this over myself. It was a it was a rural location which is at least eight hours drive from Sydney, probably even longer, and you need to really catch a plane to get out there. And discover the best advice he's ever received from guests on the show. 
the biggest learning lesson for me is to not get on tours and actually hire people to help you do that because the time and effort that you spend in actually doing, say, for example, renovation yourself, you could actually pay a professional who'll do a much better job. And that's next on this special episode of Property Investory. Hey, podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. The very first property Shum bought in central west New South Wales was such a great opportunity on paper, but would end up causing one of his worst investing moments. Yeah, I, I love this question because every time I ask one of my guests, I, I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat waiting to hear what could be the worst outcome for them. And I've heard some really, really horror stories, <laughs> just to name a few. And uh, I guess one of them has been, uh, I've been shared already with you with regards to one of the guests. But um, from my own experience, as I mentioned, when I first started investing into property, the first property that I bought and that was one of that I've learned my lesson to buy in the cent- sort of central New South Wales area out of West Wylong, it, it was a great property because one, it, it had um, dual income, had a residential property or residential side income from the top and also a commercial side down the bottom. So, I had dual income coming from the top and the bottom. The, the thing that I made a huge mistake was and, and because I was being cheap as well, I didn't hire a property management company and I thought, okay, I could take this over myself. It was a it was a rural location which is at least eight hours drive from Sydney, probably even longer and you need to really catch a plane to get out there. It also had a tenant who was in there for probably about five or six years so it's definitely stable but the problem was, was that I didn't realize and, and didn't foresee the kind of problems that would come about managing this property myself. So, I guess you can say like for the first probably couple of years, it was doing fine. It was the last year before I actually decided to sell the property was when he had some financial issues because West Wyland is a very big town. It's actually a very small town. It's got like, you know, a few thousand people in the population. So, you can imagine demographics was quite small and that's what kind of attracted me to this was because of the positive cash flow. Like I got easily 10% return per annum from it um, but it was also to the business side of things was not very strong and the commercial side of things in terms of the business downstairs this person ran an IT business and yes you know IT is, is necessary for a lot of places and there's businesses out there who need IT support and that's what he ran but he got to the point where he was not getting enough work locally and he was struggling to pay the rent and I started to see that happen because um, I was not paying much attention to that and I thought, okay, you know, I'll follow up with him and, and see if he if he why he's delayed on rent after a few few weeks or so and, and chased him up and so forth. And there's not much more you can do except just call them, email them and ask them to pay the rent. You know, you can't just go down and knock on the door, you know, fly out there and, and say you've got to pay the rent or demand and stuff. And it it got to a certain point where I think he was about three months in the rears. And I got to a point where I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I made a huge mistake not to have someone in because you know you shouldn't be letting um, a tenant be in arrears for that long. 
then another problem arose which really made him wish he'd hired a property manager. And on top of that, um, we had a major issue with one of the awnings at the front which was um, somehow infested with all these birds' nests um, in there and it got really, really heavy where it, it pretty much was just about to break open and I, I had to make a decision to actually fly out there one time. That was my first and only ever time for me to go out there to have a look at the property and I have to make another statement here to say that I made a, a bad decision to purchase the property unseen as well. So, um, for, for, for three years before that, I just purchased it and then let the tenant just pay its rent and, and do what's thing and it was fine for two years as I mentioned but it was that last year when things just started, uh, you know, just turn out bad. So, it was three months in arrears, um, the awning was about to break down or fall apart and uh, as I said, I made the decision to fly out there and have a look and when I actually flew out there, it was fantastic because I actually got to meet the tenant and got to see the property itself and it was in good nick, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a shabby kind of place but the, you could tell that it needed a little bit of work and I was thinking to myself, gosh, if I was to get some renovations done and so forth, how much would it cost to actually get this? And by the time you add all the cost to renovate the place, make the major repairs that it needed, it probably just basically cost you the same amount of probably three years worth of rent. <laughs> so I thought to myself, gosh, I'll just do some very minor repairs and then hopefully I can claim back on landlord's insurance and, and get um, certain things done. Anyway, um, it, within about a month or so after that, when I flew back into Sydney, they had a major, major storm. And when that major storm came came about, it actually flooded the awning, and then they started it started creating a waterfall, a waterfall fountain in front of the glass windows. And uh, every time it rained, <laughs> the whole window would be just covered in water. So you can just imagine the front of the window. It's like a retail shop outlet. Every time it rained, water would just basically shower all the way down and just create like this kind of waterfall effect and it just got worse and worse and worse and to the point where I was just getting concerned that the awning would fall because if that fell on anyone, I would be up for huge, huge public liability. Then landlord's insurance came to his rescue, covering a hefty sum in damages to his property. Oh, luckily for me, um, we got that one fixed. So I got straight onto that, um, got tradespeople out there. They pretty much ripped the whole thing apart, took photos for me. And yeah, the whole place was, the whole awning was covered in bird's nest. And that's the reason why it just got so heavy and it was just about to fall apart. And yeah, within a short period of time, I think about a month or so, the, the tradespeople got it fixed up. And um, lucky for me, I was able to claim that all back on insurance to touch, or, or thank God for, for the. Uh, landlord's insurance and also property insurance that I put it on that property for the three years I paid out insurance I got that all back and you know it was, it was close to about easily almost 10k worth of um, damages and, and, and claims I had to do so for what $300 a year <laughs> over three years I got my money's worth out of it and that was probably one of my worst investing moments and I've learned my lesson never ever invest into property without property manager and secondly make sure that you get landlord's insurance or property insurance for whatever property you have. Yeah, I hate to think what would have happened if you hadn't had that property insurance. Yeah, I think I would have been in tears for a while. <laughs> it would have been a very hard learning lesson and uh, since then, I've definitely made sure like even the property that I have in Sydney right now, I have property insurance on it and I also have a property manager and everything is managed without me even having to touch a thing. I get rent paid every week without a problem and also everything is managed. And we've had a few minor repairs, but that, that's minor compared to the issues that I could have had. After this huge learning experience, he eventually sold the property for less than he expected. When I first bought that property, I bought it for 101000 or actually 106000 sorry, um, when I first bought it. And that was 
three, oh, 2000 and probably three, 2004. And then, uh, oh, actually, it was longer than that. Now I think about it. It would have been much later. But it was like early 2000s. I held it for a few years. And when I sold it, I got $101,000 back from it. <laughs> so, I actually lost $5,000 along the way. It didn't grow at all. And on top of that, I guess the, the rent was positive. So, I did sort of break even. But that whole learning experience was that, you know, for me, I wouldn't invest into a town like that for a long, long time if I ever needed to again. Some of the best advice Tyrone has received from people he's interviewed on the show has been about renovating and adding value to property. When I was living at home with my, my family, my father was very much of a renovator. I remember growing up, he was involved in renovating his home in Stratfield, which was our first family home. And obviously, from that renovation, it made a huge profit and he was able to sell it. And then second thing, when he bought his next property, which was over in, in down in Glazefield area, we um, renovated that property. And within a very short period of time when he actually resold it down the track, um, made quite a substantial profit from it. So I learned a lot about renovations through my dad because I helped out quite a bit. He actually said, get on the tools, you know, I want you to do this, this and this. And it was great. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned just from talking to all the people who I've interviewed is to actually not get on the tools because, you know, it's a trade-off. If, if you're good at, at um doing renovations great you know get on tours and do all that but the biggest learning lesson for me is to not get on tours and actually hire people to help you do that because the time and effort that you spend in actually doing so for example renovation yourself you could actually pay a professional who'll do a much better job for you know a price but the the actual return in time the the off um how do you say that basically the the time that you spent in something could be could be spent somewhere else more productively or help you generate more income so it's it's really um yeah opportunity cost if you want to put that word to it it's it's opportunity cost uh, of what where your time is spent and for me if i'm ever going to be doing any type of adding value to any properties such as renovations or development i've learned now in future to hire professionals and consultants to help me do any type of renovations or any development and i think that's been for me one of the best advice that i've learned from all across this Shum also refers back to Jason John Byron, who went down a similar path starting his property investing journey with renovations. We did the renovations ourselves and we knew nothing. I've got a people know me as the paintbrush guy because I got up and yeah, maybe you've heard the story too, but I got up on the roof with a um, with a very small paintbrush. I think it was two centimeters wide because I'd never done it before but it can't be that hard to paint something because we thought the roof needed painting because it was it was just red and rusty we thought it'd make a big difference probably wouldn't have but in hindsight now but it still looks pretty good but i went down to the local hardware store just the city boy kind of thing and went where's the paint there's a paint i said where's the brush he goes points to me there's a brush and i just thought okay well there's a brush i didn't even look any further and then the place next door we hired people. They went to somewhere, they picked it up, they put it there, and then we just told them what to do. We did a little bit of painting and laid some lawn in that, but the amount of effort, this is what resonates with me today. People like renovating, there's nothing wrong with it, but there is so much effort for you know what type of reward sometimes. There's no definite what you're going to get for it at the end of the day. No one can say, definitely, I'm going to get this amount. And it is a lot of time out of your day and it's a lot of time away from your family, which is, I think, people kind of 
don't look at that time and how that affects it. So it was five times the amount of equity increase on the one that we got everyone else to do the work than the one that we did all the work. So from that point forward, we were like, no, we're not, I'm not lifting another brush. I'm going to, if I can make this work where I'm paying someone else to do it and managing them with, with a system and made sure I had it all systemized, then that's what I want to be doing. Tyrone has shaped his mindset from speaking to these experts, as well as listening to other podcasts and surrounding himself with people who have a positive impact on his way of thinking. I've got a thirst for learning and I really, really enjoy um, speaking to a lot of experts and also tapping on their shoulder to find out exactly what how they've done it and, and just asking the, the questions along their journey. And by asking the right questions, they will actually share with you the specific things that can help you change your mindset. And one other thing is um, surrounding yourself with people who you want to be like them one day. Like, so for example, if, if you're inspiring to be a property developer, as an example, you want to surround yourself with property developers who have succeeded and then um, work with them or, or learn from them or even become like an apprentice with them. And if you surround yourself with them on a day to day basis, you will become them. And, and it's true, the saying goes, usually it's the, the, the top five people that you hang around more than likely will, will sort of determine what your future will be. And I, I've realized that just from my mindset because just growing up and also being in this career, in this industry, I had surrounded myself with a lot of business owners for a long time and I ended up becoming a business owner. And then um, since actually starting this podcast, I've surrounded myself with a lot of property investors and being surrounded by so many of them, I have become a stronger and more knowledgeable investor myself and that's helped change my mindset. He particularly liked a quote from Daniel Walsh. You're the average of your best five friends. So whoever you keep around you is pretty much who you're going to become. So if you hang around with five successful people, you'll become successful. If you hang around with five people that do drugs, you're probably going to do drugs. It's very easy to get caught up in a day-to-day life of work as well coming to work you know from a like a nine to five type of job and and doing the work that i need to do but if if you don't break free from that or if you can't get out that um you will get stuck in a rut and that's why for me doing this podcast has also been a huge huge benefit for my mindset and on top of that i listen to a lot of other podcasts you know to from as i mentioned freakonomics to how i built this inspirational type of podcast that give me gives me the motivations and also I, I listen to a lot of property investing podcasts as well to gain the knowledge and the details and the te- uh, tips and techniques that I need to, to invest in my own journey and my personal development for property. Creating a successful podcast has meant securing interviews with many prominent people in the property industry. So has he experienced any challenges along the way? Yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a, a huge, huge journey and there has been lots of challenging times for sure. And I think for me, it was just being persistent to actually follow up with them. There were so many great experts when you first initially start out and you've got absolutely no downloads and you've got no proven track record or or any successful experts on your podcast. No one wants to come onto it. You know, it's like, it's like um, if there's no one actually showing up for or if there's no experts on the podcast they don't know if you're trustworthy to come on so it was building up that relationship with a lot of the experts and luckily for me the first few that I actually approached were people who mentored me and were also experts in the market and I'll give you examples of them Steve McKnight who was my mentor in the results program 
Brendan Kelly was my property coach when I was going through the results mentoring program. I did that for about three years as well. So, I had that existing relationship with them and because Brendan um, has a lot of contacts in the industry, he also knew John Linneman, he knew a lot of few other people and, and when I started reaching out to them and getting interviews with them, it kind of opened up the door for me to be able to to tap into the other experts as well. So when I actually got those guys on the interview, then I, I started approaching people like Chris Gray, Jane Slack Smith, and so forth. And I just mentioned that I had interviewed John, John Lindemann, Steve McKnight, etc. And when they heard the other names, like well-known experts, straight away they hopped on the podcast and was more than happy to to share that time. And that, that's how I began to sort of leapfrog, as per se, into getting more prominent experts in the industry. Since then, plenty of well-known speakers like Margaret Lomas and Michael Yardney have come onto the podcast and shared their knowledge with Tyrone. Yeah, there's just so many that have come onto the podcast that have been more than generous to give their time and share their knowledge have all come together. And, and that's what's made this podcast so interesting because we hear so many different walks in life because each and everyone has their own individual story, whether or not they're an expert or they're just starting out. And that's that's what's been really, really fun about this podcast as well too. So that's how I really got started and I think um, to prove that I could actually get an audience and build that up was also a challenge because you know, you've know you got already numerous podcasts out there who are already ranked number one in the top 10 and so forth and you're going up to actually try and stand out amongst them and I had to find creative and interesting ways to be able to actually get the kind of traction that I needed and by doing that, that's what made me stood out. So. Obviously, from a marketing standpoint, I made sure my colors were different. That was one of the, the key elements. And secondly, that I focused on the core message, which was delivering a story about property investors. Not tips, not strategies, just the story behind why these investors did what they did. When conducting his interviews, there are some questions that Tyrone really loves to ask his guests. One of my favorite questions I do ask and I love asking, and it, it sounds sounds i mean you guys kind of know what it is it's the worst investing moment so when i asked them so if you could take me back to a story where you had your worst investing moment where you had the lowest of the low um, share with us that story so that way we can learn a lesson from it that one is probably one of my favorites because it really really digs deep into their the challenges because we we all hear all these success stories but at the same time not many people want to share the the failures and and also learning lessons and that's where the real gems are in my opinion by asking that question it really shows their true character how they handle situation and how they actually grow from that and that's what i think makes us all better not only just a property as property investors but also personally develop as a better person so that's probably one of my favorite questions Another one I love asking as well, and this is usually towards the end of the interview, is if you had met yourself, say, 10 years ago, what would you say to him or her? Um, that always opens up insights in what people think about what they could have done in hindsight. Hi, my name is Dimna Bohov from I Love Real Estate. 10 years ago, I would say you're in for a wild ride there, girl. <laughs> um, you know, everything, everything you do creates who you are, good and bad. Um, good and bad experiences create who you are and uh, I really feel it's not something that you go back and say, I wish I'd done this, I wish I'd done that Uh, because, you know, even the mistakes are benefits to you if you learn from them. Another question Shum likes to ask his guests is, what is their biggest aha moment in their property journey? 
But what was his biggest aha moment? This is the the thing that I wish I knew, and this is all in hindsight. When I first started investing into property, I, all I knew and all I learned was about positive cash flow was to buy property and just buy more positive cash flow which would help you build up your portfolio. What I didn't realize and what I only learned more in the last few years is about growth properties, buying property with growth in them to be able to build up equity because the real wealth is through property increasing value e.g. what we call capital growth and that's where you build up your asset base. He shares an example of how this works and how he learned from this knowledge. If you bought a property going back 10 years ago for $500,000 in Sydney, 10 years later, usually between 10, 7 to 10 years on average, this is what they say, uh, don't quote me on this, is that it will double in price. And it is true. If you go back and have a look at, say, for example, Jan Summers' books, um, she's listed out properties that were bought back in the 1900s and you could see that it's been doubled pretty much every 10 years or so. So if you knew that and... Uh, went on that trajectory or that path for that period of time, you'll soon discover that if you follow that um, concept and you know that concept, you can build uh, equity or build what they call capital growth into your portfolio over a period of time. So it's basically being in the market by buying and holding a property. So if I bought one 10 years ago for 500000 uh, normally you'd be looking at 10 years later, it'd be worth a million dollars. And that extra 500000 is something that just happens because of the market grows. And if you hold onto a property, you can basically grow a portfolio that doubles every 10 years. And the real wealth is in that, not necessarily through just buying um, cash flow properties. And, th- and that's the mistake I made back then was just to buy one cash flow property and then hopefully buy next one, next one and so forth. And it's great to be able to do that but how much cash flow would you need to do to build up a, a portfolio with an extra $500,000 equity? And if you work that out, you need at least 50 to 100 properties and most people just don't have the skill to go out and buy that many properties. So if I had learned this lesson early and this is my biggest aha moment that it, it's about buying in growth areas, e.g. capital cities within Australia, that's where you can actually generate real wealth and that's where you grow an asset base. So if you had bought, say, five properties 10 years ago that were all 500000 each, you would have bought them for for $2.5 million and if you just held them for 10 years, you would be sitting on a, an asset base of $5 million now with an additional $2.5 million of equity which you can draw out and use any time to buy more properties or, or you know, invest into other things or alternatively you can sell down half and then pay that off and, and hopefully the rent will cover you and give you some passive income. So it depends on what strategy you're looking for but I think the biggest, biggest aha moment for me is learning about um, buying growth properties that will help you build real wealth in the future. Ultimately, property investing is a learning experience where people are constantly evolving their strategies to reach their goals. And that's what Tyrone has discovered through property investory and his own journey. That's all, it's all a journey. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter if you've got a big portfolio and, and you have that for, for um, living off for your retirement or whatever passive income. But at the end of the day, it's the journey and the learning lessons that you take along the way because if you lost all that one day, would you be able to build that up again and hopefully faster? And most people would say yes. So, what is he most excited about today? And one of our big goals is to inspire over 500,000 people to, to listen to this podcast. So, we're, we've had over 100,000 downloads. So that's one-fifth of the way there. And 
if we can reach 500,000 downloads by the end of next year, which is 2018, I think that would be an exciting thing for this podcast and it will reach a lot more people. And um, yeah, I'd love everyone to be along the journey with us to do that and support us along the way and you know, to be able to also for us to give back to you in some shape or form and help you in your own property investing journey as well. So that's really exciting for me. If you would like to connect with Tyrone, you can do so via email, text, social media, or through the Property Investory website. The best way to connect with me is you can either send me an email at hello at propertyinvestory.com or connect with me either on Facebook or via um, the texting to a specific number which I have available, which is 0499881040. And I, I will respond to you and we can, you know, start open lines of communication. Um, the, also, the best other thing you can do as well is subscribe to the podcast um, by, by listening to on iTunes. And also, you can download our free case studies, which we have available at propertyinvestory.com. And some way or another, when you connect with me through there, I'll definitely be able to respond and uh, we'll, you know, open communications. And I, I, I actually will be opening up very soon a private community where if you want to actually get in touch with me directly and and get sort of mentoring coaching and also support from other experts as well that will be open up shortly as well so just keep an eye out for that and simply subscribe on propertyinvestory.com and you'll hear more about it To show your support, be sure to subscribe to Property Investory and spread the word to inspire others to learn more from our stories really really love you to be able to share this knowledge with everyone that you've uh, met in the past and if you're a property investor who is working with other fellow property investors please share the word and let them know about these stories because i think if it helps one or two people out there and and inspire thousands and thousands of others as well uh, we can definitely encourage and support each other in this community because I think it's the whys that drive us to invest into property to develop a, a, a potential future that we can be living off uh, passive income or have a portfolio where we can have financial freedom.